Good evening. Hey, I hope you're all happy to be here today. Isn't there just something about the saints gathering on a Wednesday night where some of us poor working people are in the middle of our work week? We're in the middle of that thing we call the daily grind, and at this point, sometimes we feel a little dusty, like we've been ground up, right? But yet, we come here, and we gather together. We encourage each other. The Lord encourages us as we worship Him, and we study His Word. Um, I just pray that what we learned today would lift us high above our daily grind, and that we could coast through the rest of our week. Amen? Hey, we'll be continuing our study in Matthew chapter 12, and if you were here on Sunday, we took a topical out of that, and I suppose maybe if you were here, you'll, you'll understand this, but I'm going to show you a little mercy tonight, okay? And that is that I am not going to go through 50 verses in its entirety, verse by verse, because we would be here way too long, and you would be way too bored with my commentary on all those verses, so instead... What I thought we would do is kind of um, just cover five short verses in chapter 12. We're going to cover verses 9 through 13, and it's really an object lesson or an illustration, really, of our teaching uh, that we did on Sunday. It's really an object lesson of the mercy and power of our God, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me set the scene for you, if I could, starting in verse 9 here. We're going to start reading it, but let me set the scene. Jesus and his disciples, really, were walking through some grain fields, and it happened to be the Sabbath, and they were a bit hungry, and they were running their hands through grain and plucking the grains and eating them because they were hungry. And then these people called the Pharisees didn't like that, you see, because it was the Sabbath, and after all, that could constitute him working and breaking the Sabbath. They were nitpicking rule keepers, and so they called Jesus on it, and he's just coming from a conversation about that challenge of working and eating on the Sabbath, and he goes into the synagogue here, and really, about the Sabbath, he answers, and he's going to answer the same way throughout this whole chapter. He says something like this, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the great I am, is what he's saying. He's saying, I was before the Sabbath. So why are you speaking to me this way? And he'll he'll show it again in this wonderful little miracle that we're going to see. So that's the scene. Jesus is just leaving the Pharisees, telling, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and uh, we can eat on the Sabbath. So back off, and he heads his way into church. He goes to the synagogue. We'll pick it up in verse 9 here, okay? Now when he, that's Jesus, had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. He went into their synagogue. He went to church. And 10, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse Jesus? Verse 11, Jesus answered and said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? And if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out. In verse 12, of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good, yes, even on the Sabbath. In verse 13, then he said to this man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. 
pretty simple miracle. Simple, concise, to the point. Let's pray. Ask God to help us just with these five verses. Father, we're thankful for your people. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that it's perfect. I'm asking for your help, Father, now that your spirit would just be the teacher. Would give me words to speak and that we would be open to them and that you would change us for the better. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. So if you were here on Sunday, you hopefully, and even if you weren't, realize that we serve a great God of mercy, right? We have a merciful God. We have a Lord that's full of compassion, right? And that for some reason that I cannot understand, he's somehow mostly attracted to us when we are in our most weak spot. I hope I showed you that it is the uh, broken or bent or bruised reed that he doesn't break off. And that it's the smoldering wick that he won't snuff out, right? It's in our weakness that he has this special crazy affinity for us. It's incredible. We have a Lord full of compassion. Hopefully, hopefully we saw that. Hopefully we saw a merciful, compassionate, great physician seeking out sick patients. That's what I think we saw on Sunday. Amen? But, but, but tonight, it's a little different focus. We see the great physician, and he's already picked out his patient. His sick and needy, dry and withered man. He picked him out, and we're going to see the great physician finding his needy subject. We're going to see him go to work. He's going to work. Yes, he was drawn to him. That was our point on Sunday. But now, he's going to work. This is nothing more than a, I think, an illustration or object lesson of this great mercy that our God shows and the power behind it. Amen? Let's start in verse 10. Let's pick it up. We'll go verse by verse here. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. Okay, I just want to start right there because I like this word, behold. I'm a word person. When you're studying the word of God, I love words. You go find out where they're from and how they're used other places. And this is an interesting word, this behold. It's an explanation point. It's, hey, listen up, behold, something really cool is about ready to happen in and through this dry and withered, poor and needy man. Behold. And I guess, I I suppose... (laughs) I'm encouraged a bit by the man that follows the word, behold. He speaks not of nobility. Behold, look at the rich young ruler. Behold, look at the president of the United States. Behold, nobility. Our Lord Jesus Christ simply says, behold, pay attention. I'm about ready to do something supernatural through a broken vessel. Maybe it's just me, but I love the way our Lord Jesus Christ wore his crown in the Gospels. He came to show us God, and he wore his crown much more like a blue collar than a white collar. He wore it much more like a blue collar than a crown, in my opinion. Gritty, moxie. He picks the base and the foolish, right, to confound the wise, to shame the strong. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Did you know that? It's a great little verse, and it is really our story. It really is. Let me read it for you. If you have time, you can turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. 
But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. And the things which are despised, God has chosen. Dried, broken people, tax collectors, liars, cheaters, whores. Those are the people. He said, behold, I'm going to do something supernatural. There's hope for all of us. Amen? It's the base things that he chosen to bring. <laughs> Why? Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That these cracked pots would show the glory of God. Not our wisdom. Amen? I like the blue-collar Jesus I serve. I don't know about you because you know what? In the end of the day, that's our story. We're all a bunch of ordinary people. You can put titles to whatever you guys want. You can make yourself, you can listen to culture, you can listen to people, but in the end of the day, you're a pretty ordinary person serving an extraordinary God who can indwell you and do extraordinary things. It's our story. Behold, dry and withered, broken. Ah, I have a question for you before we keep going. Because it might change the way we're listening. It might change the way God could possibly change your life and lift you above your grind today. Behold you. Behold me. Today. I'm asking you. Could we read this maybe and say, yes, behold, a man with a withered hand, dried up, lifeless. Or we could say, behold Dan. Because there's some areas in my life that are dry and withered. You may get a little bit more out of tonight if you fill in the blanks. Behold you, you see. If there even is just one sinking under the weight of sin and shame, there's just one that's stuck and dry in an area. If you say behold you before we start here, it might make a big difference, amen? Okay, so there's no energy here right now. And we talked about this on Sunday, okay? So look, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I need you tonight. There we go. See, you were there on Sunday. All oh, you. <laughs> I do a little better when there's a little, you know, the, come on. Amen, right? Behold you, right? <laughs> I like it. I want to remind us all today that there's really one thing that the great physician needed in this miracle. There's one thing and one thing only. He needed a broken patient to work on. He didn't need your wealth. He didn't need your health. He didn't even need your good intentions. Did you know that? He didn't need any of that. What he needed was your brokenness. What he needs is a good patient who knows he is broke before he can come and be saved and be healed. Amen? Amen. Nobody likes a bad patient, right? I see there's a few doctors in the house. One of them right here. Now, bad patients are bad news. And if you see enough people, then none, of you, none of you, my patients, would ever do this. But you know the worst type of patient are the people that don't think they, they really need anything. And I don't even know why they're there, to be honest with you. Usually their wife makes them go, right? Or their mom makes them go, even worse. But they don't think they need anything. I can see great. I don't need anything. Just need longer arms, Dr. Vidlak. 
Well, what about those patients who think they know everything? See, behold, you is saying, I don't got the goods. I'm dry and withered. I need, I need, I need. No one likes a patient that thinks they know already. Some of you already know this miracle, and you're thinking, oh, geez. No one likes a patient that thinks they know everything. I had a patient once that, I'm examining them. I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm looking at their chart, and I go, have you had any surgeries in your eyes? And they say, yeah, doc, I had a rectal detachment. I said, ma'am, you're in the wrong office. <laughs> Don't you mean a retinal detachment? No, sir, it was a rectal detachment, I'm telling you. And no matter what I did, she had a rectal detachment. Think they know everything. You're the patient. Come on, you're paying me for my advice, right? Sometimes I think the Lord's just going, my goodness. You guys think you know everything? You're on the wrong end of the body here, guys. Don't even want to be here tonight. Behold you. Behold me before we do this. Amen? Hey, listen. Let's go. Let's keep going. <laughs> before I get in trouble. Even more than I'm already in, evidently. So he said, Behold, there's a man with a withered hand. And they asked him, they being the, the, the Pharisees, they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? They're trying to trick our Lord like they always did. But our Lord's savvy. Listen to this. Then he said to them, What man is among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay a hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value than is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. I like his answer. And you know, Jesus always looked to people. Yeah, he, he wore his crown like a blue collar, but he, you know, he was so relational. We use that word now in ministry and in business. We need to be more relational. Good customer service. You know, we got that from Jesus. He doesn't even know another way besides, listen, it's all about people, right? He saw this man. He didn't see a trap. He didn't see... Uh, an experiment on what sin can do to your life. He didn't see any of those things. He saw a person. He saw a real human with a real need. Let's put it this way. Jesus was the original people person. So you can say, you know, I was a people person. And then you got that from Jesus. Because that's the way he ministered to people. Is a, aren't, hey, isn't this guy worth more than a sheep? You do have some sort of loophole in the law of working on the sabbath you pull your sheep out they let you do that but how about this man is he not worth more than that you see see the pharisees they looked at the rigidity of rules and law and the rigidity and the ridiculousness of religion you know we have a relationship with the lord jesus christ it's not a religion per se jesus wasn't like that he points out this is not a lab rat. This isn't an experiment. I'm not doing this for a show. What I'm doing it for is to help someone, a real person in need. I'm going to show in through his weakness, through his dried and withered life, I'm going to show my great merciful power so that my glory would shine 
through him, not a noble man. Amen? And yes, even on the Sabbath. <laughs> I like how he sticks it to him. Yes, even on the Sabbath. I, I want to remind you today. I want to encourage you of a couple things. First thing, I want to encourage you. Do you know that Jesus values each and every one of you? I don't think you can tell people that enough. God the Father loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he values you much more than a sheep. You're a human. You're the cherry on top of creation. In his very image, he made you. And he breathed in the breath of life. He gave you a spirit that has the capability of being regenerated and have the sensibility to have some self-awareness to say, there is a God and he's bigger than me, amen? Do you know that when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus. That's how valuable you are to him. He sees you through the lens of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I'm gonna, it's because of spirit baptism. It's 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. It says, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, right? Whether Jew or Greek, bond or free, we're made to drink into one spirit. So listen to me. What that's saying is this, that whether you believe it or not, it really doesn't matter. The moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit took you. One of the things he did is he placed you, dunked you into our Lord Jesus Christ. For safekeeping, you're now in the body of Christ. And that word baptism means immersed. He died you, died you, don't you, forever, ever unchangeable with the color or the lens of Jesus Christ. He sees you that way. That's a miracle. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's what it means to be valued by our Father, you know. I'm not here on Wednesdays, mostly because I'm with the youth group. I'm with the high schoolers helping out there. And, and I'm going to tell you, I was there the other night, and it was a Wednesday, and it was like the daily grind had made me powder, right? Saw too many patients that thought they didn't need me, right? And whatever it was, and all the other things I do, and I was just junk. So I go rolling in there thinking I'm going to help some young people, right? You ever run into the Lord when you're looking to do something else? I'm sitting back there, and this lady, Selena Alderson, if you don't know her, she's an incredible lady, and I'm just thankful she's in working with our youth. She's an incredible woman. She has a very good grasp on who she is in Christ. They're doing, we're doing this thing in the youth, we're, we're, they're called the letters, um, letters from the Edge. You know, edge, kind of tricky little thing there. It's all of us leaders are going to, we write a letter, just like Paul wrote to Timothy, you know. And you can't talk. You write a letter. You take time to write a letter, and then you get up and you read it to them. It's what you would want to tell a high schooler before they graduate. You get one letter. Oh, and I'm sitting there, yada, 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 and I ran into the Lord. And I thought, she starts talking. And during her talk, it came down to this. She wanted those kids to know their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how important that is to a young person? Seems like the whole world's having an identity crisis right now. Amen? Amen. And she said, this is who you are. Like a mother hen. She sat up there and read this letter. 
And in the middle, she made a list. And I want to share some of it with you. Because I just melted. Because I needed to hear this. Oh, I know the theology. But I needed her to preach me a sermon. It said, I am loved. I am accepted. I am a child of God. I am Jesus' friend. Feel free to say amen after any of these, okay? I am a joint heir with Jesus, sharing in his inheritance with him. I am a saint, highly graced. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am free from all condemnation. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I am seated in heavenly places. Amen? Sometimes I say, where am I at? I'll tell you where you're at. You're seated in heavenly places in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am God's workmanship created in Christ. I am much more than a conqueror through him who loves me. You ever feel like you got beat up? Oh, I'm much more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I am an overcomer. Amen? I'm an overcomer. I'm a partaker in his divine nature. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I could go on and on and on and on and on. But, you know, if you ever want to just preach yourself a sermon, I can give you a copy of this, or you could just be a student of the Bible and look them up. It's awesome. That's how much you're valued. Pharisees, oh, can you or can you not help a lab rat in the experience? Do you say, that's a person? I value him, and I'm pulling him out of the ditch. And pay attention. Behold, you're about ready to see something. Amen? <laughs> oh, you know, it's important. Identity's important. Like I said, culture's struggling right now. I think one of the greatest secrets of authentic Christianity is knowing who you are in Jesus Christ and therefore start acting like it. That's it. Know who you are and by the power of the Holy Spirit, just start acting like you already are. I know you don't feel that way because I don't feel that way. I don't always feel uncondemned, right? I feel condemned. But yet, he sees us that way. So the secret is view him how he views you. Get over yourself. Let the Holy Spirit live a life through you. And voila, <laughs> start acting like it. Amen? It's huge. Okay, let's go through the miracle because it's only one little verse. And we're going to get out of her early today. That's a new one for me. She laughs. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I'll see it when I believe it. Will not use my faith. I will need to see it. We'll see. I'm on, I'm on schedule. Verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was restored as whole as the other. Pretty simple miracle, don't you think? Pretty simple. Do what you cannot do, and I'll do it. No, no, no crazy faith journey, nothing. Just stretch it out. And I, 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 I want to remind you on Sunday, we, we gave you a, I gave you, I think, the biblical de definition of the mercy of God. I, I remember I said it was the outward manifestation, right, of compassion and pity that withholds judgment. It's really not getting what you deserve. Remember that? And then the second part, I made two assumptions. And those two assumptions are illustrated in what just happened in verse 13. Remember the assumption? 
For mercy to take place, it assumes that someone has a need. You can't have mercy on someone who doesn't need anything. Does that make sense? So it, it assumes a needy patient. And then the second assumption is that it assumes that the person giving it has the adequate resources to meet that need. You need those two things for God to bestow his mercy on you. And so I think how we'll close is a couple more points and make a couple thoughts on those two assumptions. First, we'll see this. The one who was in need was the man with the withered hand. And then two, we're going to just make a couple of comments on the one who had more than sufficient, I guess, goods to get it done. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. So just a couple thoughts. First, we'll talk about the man with the withered hand. He's the needy one, right? I want to make one point about him. And some of this is going to be a little bit of rerun. But, but listen to me. Um, this is the object lesson. There's a needy one. The one point I want you to think about with him is he was hopelessly incapable okay, of obeying. You got to get that. This miracle. Simple. Eh. He was hopelessly incapable of obeying. Okay, he had a dry and withered and lifeless hand. Jesus didn't say, because this is how I use it. He brought his withered hand to the Lord. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He was incapable of doing what the Lord asked him to do. Did you know that? That's the state he was in. The Lord said, stretch your hand, not your arm, stretch your hand out. And pause, because that's all he heard before he thought about doing that. He, he had no function in his hand. It was dry and lifeless. There was no blood giving life to that hand. This is significant in this gym today for this reason. It's the same reason I talked to you guys about on Sunday. Some of us just aren't over ourselves we somehow think that Jesus wants to work through the sensible sinner, right? The person that isn't just rock bottom, but that somebody maybe who's got their feet under them a little bit. That can, we say it all the time, partner with God. Man, I think the faith is the part, partnering part. I think the doing's his part, you see. I, I think we ought to be careful there. It's significant in this, Jim, because some of us believe that lie. That somehow God wants to work through and is more happy with and wants to do miraculous things through the well-to-do, the people who aren't needy. And I just don't see the Lord that way. I don't. I, when you look at the Gospels, you see him attracted somehow in a crazy way to our brokenness. It's the cracked vessels he wants to work through. This man paints a different picture. It puts a lie to that thought. This person was helpless. He was hopeless and he had nowhere to go, and he had nothing to do. He could not obey. It, it, it paints the gospel picture, don't you think? That's the gospel. <laughs> Did you know that? This man paints that picture. Gospel speaks to sinners, bad sinners. It cries out in our misery and our incapacity to our helplessness and our hopelessness, and it says this to you, and even you, my grace will abound. It's sufficient, even for you. So don't buy the, the lie. The gospel says, come and come just as you are. Come as you are. Don't try to fix yourself up. This guy, if nothing else, he's proof. 
He couldn't stretch his hand out without God. He was done, broken. It's something to think about. And yet he still trusted and obeyed. Think about that for a moment. Incapable of doing what he was asked, but yet he still did it. Now, is that not a paradox? He's sitting there in a state where he couldn't get it done on his own power, but yet he still trusted and obeyed. He was perfectly willing to do what the Lord asked of him, even though by his own strength, it was impossible. No questioning, no adding, no subtracting. He simply, by faith, trusted and obeyed. Even though at that point, the miracle hasn't taken place yet. We're still at stretch forth your hand, okay? He didn't receive anything at that point yet. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. We all want something for the Lord, from the Lord, before we act sometimes, right? We don't use our faith. We, we do what Thomas did, right? I'll see it when I believe it. When you give me something, show me a sign and then I'll believe, Lord. That's not what happened here. Even before he received any healing, he trusted and obeyed. Amen? He had that heart. There comes a time in all of our lives, I want to share with you this, that you're going to have to sink or swim, trust the Lord, and obey, and have it activate you to do something. And trust me, it's going to cost you something. I wonder what this guy was thinking, caught somewhere between the Pharisees and Jesus. I mean, think for a moment. This Jewish boy, he was basically siding with this rebel rouser. He would surely be outcast from the synagogues, from his community, from all of that prestige, all of that community. He had been gone. He, he was risking a lot. Reminds me of a saying my dad said, had for me. When I started getting into the ministry and started getting interested in teaching, and, and I don't know, I, he, he always used to say this to me. He said this. He said, Dan, it's going to cost you something to serve the Lord. It's gonna, and it has. It's going to cost you something. But I like the second part of his saying, but it's going to cost you more if you don't. Amen? Hey, there's going to come a time when you're just going to have to trust and obey. Right? You got to recognize your bro brokenness and just trust and obey, realizing that it's such a time that I've got to put my trust, my faith, and actually have it activate me to do something, you see. Sink or swim. Simply trust and obey it was this man's time to say such a thing, I think. This man, simply by faith, just trusted and obeyed our Lord, and he was healed. You see, he used his spiritual eyes to see what other people didn't, even what he didn't see. Remember faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. This, I could just see this guy here. He's, he's got his hand, and he's, he's hoping. He's hoping that this man is the Messiah, He's hoping that he will not be useless. He's hoping that his dry and lifeless, withered hand might be made whole again. And he's, he, he, he sees no way. But, but in his mind, he's, he's saying, I'm hoping for that. So I'm going to take the very faith that God gave me and, and I'm going to place it in that. It's going to make it real and have a handle, right? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. He couldn't see it. It was in the future. He didn't know what was going to happen in that moment. But he used his faith, and voila, it paid off for him. Amen? 
He responded and he trusted and obeyed. I like the old hymn, trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. You're not happy? There's lots of reasons. We can do a study on grumpiness versus happiness. I'm going to tell you one reason I'm not happy in my life is I'm not trusting in the almighty God, the one full of grace, full of mercy, and today, as we've seen, full of power. Amen? Yeah, trust and obey. There's no other way. So that's my comments on the broken, withered man because I'm trying to stay on schedule. I want just a couple more thoughts about the one who's got the goods, our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Is our Lord not awesome? Stretch forth your hand. He trusts and obey with his faith, and it was made whole. He didn't have him rub it, right? He didn't have him go wash it in a pool like he'd done before. He wasn't teaching those kind of lessons here. He's just showing his power out of a broken vessel. Just simple. And the one thing I want you to think about, the man, the God-man, who had more than enough adequate power to meet this need. And I want you to think about this. He is able to give power to what he commands. I'm going to say that again. What he commands of you, he'll give you the power to get it done. Amen? Now, that's a pretty simple statement, but listen, (laughs) that's the reason we don't get healed a lot of times, is we don't believe that, right? He's able to give power to do what he commands. Stretch out your hand. Now, we've already seen that from this man's point of view, that was impossible, right? It was dead. He was dead, withered. Yet, the Lord gave him both the command and the ability to stretch forth his hand. The great physician, Ephesians chapter 3. If I beat you there, you can just listen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to hear this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that, here's the key, that works in us, Christian, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? I love those words. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I think that's what happened here. I really do. Jesus has the goods. And they're wrapped up in your Christian life. Did you know that? He indwells you. He has the goods. Amen? He's all powerful. There's power in us that indwells us. He has the goods to meet your needs, okay? He's the right doctor for the right illness, you could say. One time, I was at a wrestling tournament coaching my youngest son. And he's on deck, right? Two guys are wrestling. He's bouncing around, warming up, getting ready to go do our combat, right? So I'm with my son. Come on, buddy. And we're watching two guys wrestling, and lo and behold, snap. This guy's leg breaks, like right here. Just like dog leg left, like, ooh. And it was a big tournament, so there was plenty of help. People just, Gabe's like, he was a first-year wrestler. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I like that. (laughs) That can happen? I guess so. (laughs) Evidently. 
and they're working and they're working and and uh, doctor to mat nine, please doctor to mat nine. No doctors, right? They were light on doctors at wrestling tournaments. Go figure. <laughs> it's kind of a brutal sport. And then this referee looked at me and said, Dan, you're a doctor. Come out here. I'm like, dude, I'm an optometrist. <laughs> Have you seen that guy's leg? <laughs> that leg's going the wrong way. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, dude? So they're like, oh, come on. They're like, come on. This guy's mad. guy's all, all right. So I go out there, and I'm like, pupils look good. How many fingers? I was done after two. How many fingers? It was it. So I, I walk off the mat when we're done, and one of the scorekeepers is like, hey, was you okay? What happened? What'd you do? He goes, I go, I don't know. He's got nice pupils. His leg's still doing a dog leg left. I couldn't help that guy. You know why? I didn't have the goods. Because all I did is I kind of tried to encourage him and waited for the paramedics to get there. Tried to make sure my son wanted to wrestle the next match because he was scared. <laughs> you see, I didn't have the goods. It's not what I do, right? The Lord Jesus isn't like that. He's got the goods in every situation. There's nothing new under the sun he has not seen. You're sitting there today under this heavy burden, and I just think the Lord's going, I got the goods. And according to Ephesians chapter 3, if you're a saved person today, amen, it's inside of you. And he wants to unleash it. He wants to heal you. It's locked up. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above even what you could imagine or think according to the power that's in heaven. Yeah, but, but specifically here, they have the power that works in us, through you. It's there. You just got to unlock it. Did you know that? Do you know that Jesus Christ indwells you? Jesus Christ. Actually, all three do, but Jesus indwells you. You see, we already talked about spirit baptism, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. When you're saved, spirit puts you into his body. But there's something else that happens when you're saved. The Holy Spirit, through his regeneration, puts Jesus into you. Imagine that. Divinity. In this scoundrel? Yeah. We're in him and he's in us. Oh my goodness, that power is just waiting to be unleashed. I wonder if we ever thought about that. He's got the goods. Whether it's to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he commands, he gives the power not only, right? Not only to get it done, but to, to meet the commandment. He'd say, come to me. Some of you guys, if there's even one here that's considering coming to the Lord for the very first time. Guess what? He'll give you the faith to even believe. So when he says, believe on my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, if you're asking for that, he's going to give you the faith. Or if it's just you're stuck and all dried up and messed up and you got an area in your life, some of you right now have an area right now, a broken relationship, some sort of infirmity in your life that's killing you right now. It's making your life dry and withered. You're nothing but the same guy spiritually. You're the same guy. Hmm. He's got the power in us. He indwells in us. It wants to be unleashed. You see, Christ is in you with exceeding power to do the miracle 
and meet his commandments, right? Last point, okay? Here's my last point. It's short. I'm doing so good. Aren't I, Mark? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Here's what I'll close with. Any withered hands tonight? Is there? I'm just asking you. In the quiet spot in your heart. In the spot where... This, 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 this spot. You get through your day and you're beat up. But you finally get to lay your head on your pillow. And in those quiet moments where it's just you and the Lord, what's that thing that has you dried up? What's that thing? I'm asking you right now, if there is just even one who has not come to the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to consider stretching out your hand and let him make you whole. It's a pretty simple message coming to the Lord. Did you know that? It's really simple. Here's part of the message right here. Maybe I'll make it more complex than it is. Is that if you don't need him, there's a wrong message for you. If you're too good, wrong message for you. But if you're poor and needy, he will swoop down to you and he will save you. It's pretty simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You believe on him. You believe that he died, was buried, and rose again for your personal sins. You do that with a real faith and you embrace that, you're his and you're saved and you're withered no longer. Amen? It's a pretty simple message. So consider that. I hope you said, if that's you today, behold, <laughs> I'm a ripe target for you, Lord. I'm a ripe target for your grace and mercy. And I'm going to come. And I'm going to come just as I am. I'm not going to clean myself up. I'm coming, Lord. Save me. Amen? And on the other end, if there is others that are just under a burden, just Whatever that is, we all have those dry areas in our lives. Did you wish, don't you wish they weren't there? Does anybody else have the desire for the dryness to be just flooded? Like if the dentist had just put in a well for you and just let it gush. They didn't put any hose on the end. They just let that artesian go. Just sopped it up. And you were renewed in that brokenness. Sometimes I feel useless for the good works that our Lord Jesus Christ has put out in front of me because I'm dry in just this area. I want to heal him. And I'm going to ask you guys in that, dark, in that spot, in that, that spot that you have, would you reach out your hand? And would you let him make you whole again? In that area, it's there for the taken, amen? And would you come just as you are in all your brokenness? So as we pray, I'm going to pray for all of us that in those areas we, we would be healed. Father, we're grateful for your people. I'm so encouraged when I come here. Sometimes I come a little tired, but Father, I always leave refreshed because I know I've been with you and your people. Thank you. Thank you for that. I pray that today there'd be some sweet fellowship for a few minutes, that we'd help each other, that we'd come alongside and let you, the great physician, Heal our dried areas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys enjoy your evenings.